It's time for your weekly dose of nostalgia with the 80s and 90s Uncensored. I am Milo Denson. And I'm Jamie Fenderson. And today we're talking about music videos from the 80s and 90s. So we've got Steven Patalio. Is that right? Am I saying that right? Very close. It's Patalo. Patalo. Okay. <laughs> Say so, it again, Milo. Uh, Steven Patalo. Hey, that's me. Thanks Perfect. a lot for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Yes, music video time machine. Uh, is my big thing. It's a magazine. It's an experience. It's a monthly party here in Brooklyn. And uh, I've been very, very lucky to put out my first issue of the magazine, 84 pages of extremely obsessive and mostly worthless information for anyone who's not interested in what we're interested in. So there you go. Yeah, yeah I, that, uh, that's that's I, our thing. <laughs> I've gone through it. So I, I have a question though, because there is a lot of content in that magazine. How oh. do you source that content and how much time do you spend on it? There's quite a bit in there. Oh, well, thanks for asking. Actually, um, it's been a long time project that uh, collecting this information without a clear uh, path as to what was going to be done with it. Um, I came up with the idea more than a decade ago uh, I started interviewing different music video directors because I didn't see a repository or or any sort of information about that. Um, I mean, there's no DVD extras for the music videos that we love. So <laughs> I actually, I met uh, a music video director named Nigel Dick, who over the course of his career, um, directed some of the greatest videos for Tears for Fears, um, Guns N' Roses, and... Britney Spears, strangely enough, kind of a long stretch of, of an, you know, incredible stuff. And I was working at an ad agency and he was one of the directors we were going to be working with. And I noticed that he had those on his reel. So I asked him some questions about it and uh, kind of a light bulb went off in my head and said, you know, I, I, I really, I really like to know more about these kind of things. And so I, I started seeking out these guys and it turns out that the world of music video directors in the eighties was kind of small. They kind of all knew each other. So this guy knew that guy. Next thing you know, I've got nearly 100 interviews with music video directors of every genre. Uh, I pretty much have the top 10 covered for a couple of decades. And luckily enough, I was able to talk to one of the granddaddies of them all, John Landis, about Thriller. And that was a real high point for me. So... Yeah, I've, I've been doing this for a while. And of course, pandemic comes around and I say, well, you know, maybe I'll just go ahead and make something out of this myself right now. So made a nice little nice little magazine, 84 pages long with uh, interviews with music video directors, with bands um, and some, you know, fun little stuff in there, here and there. Uh, I have an, a little section in there you might have seen called My Five Faves, where I ask somebody what their five favorite videos are. And luckily this time, uh, because you guys are so steeped in the uh, 80s thing, uh, you would appreciate that I talked to Josie Cotton of Johnny Are You Queer? The uh, song that, that's, uh, I think it's got an interesting reputation over the years, but mostly because uh, it appeared in Valley Girl. So that's kind of the long, that's kind of the long and the short of, of where this has been going. It, and it's been something that I've been so lucky. I've been so thankful. And in the weirdest of coincidences, I was in London last week and I actually get an email back from someone I had approached 
nearly a decade ago about interviewing a guy named De Derek Burbage. And the, the, the videos you would know that he directed are the police's Don't Stand So Close to Me um, and Gary Newman's Cars. And he sort of did it for a while and then he quit the business. And now he he has a, a, a farmhouse in uh, in the north end of England. And so we just did a phone call. I, it was weird. I was there, but it was still like 300 miles between us. So we talked about all that stuff. And he was like, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. It took me so long to get back to you. You know, you get busy and things. And I'm thinking in my head, it's been a decade since I contacted you, sir. So, but funny enough, he had great stories. He had great stories about the police, uh, and it was it was a lot of fun. So, any any and all of those interviews that I've done has just been a blessing to me. And that one will most like I'm assuming will be in the second issue of the magazine. Yes, and I'm actually um, the book that I've always wanted to write may be revived again. So. Uh, this may be uh, actually breaking news for all of the, you that follow my career. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's possible that, that uh, we're going to put the magazine on hold and go back to having the book because uh, there's some opportunities that are that are happening here, uh, and you know we'll see. Cross your fingers. Well, we'll look forward to it. Um, okay, well, let's get into our subject at hand. So we each brought some music videos that we consider either our favorite or the best music videos from the 80s or 90s. We don't know what each other's brought. So um, that's kind of a bit of the reveal. So maybe you might have some extra statistics on the ones that we have or not uh, based on just your general memory. So it'll be interesting to see what we all came up with. Uh, since you are the guest, uh, if you don't mind going first, Stephen, we will let you go first with your first pick. Okay, well, my, my first pick, and I, I hope you guys will go easy on me as far as uh, the uh, lyrical and song content of my picks, because uh, as we know, it's easy to make a good video for a good song, not always good, easy to make one for a bad song. Um, but I think I cover all the bases on this one when I say one of my favorites is Golden Earrings, Twilight Zone. The music video for that one is basically a little Bond thriller shot by a Dutch director for a Dutch band. Um, as people know, Golden Earring, they mostly know Golden Earring from Radar Love, which was their huge hit. But then they decided to do this weird song about uh, when the bullet hits the bone. And uh, so we follow our protagonist through this whole maze of spy stuff um he's running with a suitcase there's a firing squad there's a femme fatale and there's a playing card with a bullet that goes through it which mirrors the cover of their album cut that's what i remember about it yeah as the card and the bullet yeah. yeah which when you think about it that's not really possible can can you i mean do you know how many times you have to fire a bullet to hit it directly in the middle of the card and have it go straight through that so that's not what they did they took a bullet and they stuck it on the end of a stick and they heated it up and they dragged it through the card and and so it looks like it's slow motion but it's it's real time actually so I, I, in, I love in real it. life, it just kind of knocked the card away, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it it goes through the card, but it's so hot that it's burning the edges of it. So if you watch it, 
you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. But you can kind of tell that it's not something that's been slowed down. It's just something that's kind of moving through it. So that's that's, that's cool. one of my one of my favorites. I was lucky enough to talk to the director, Dick Moss, uh, about shooting this. They they shot in a sex club. They shot, you know, they did all kinds of crazy fun stuff for the song. Um, and I don't think Golden Earring uh, had much of a overall rock and roll uh, career. They had one more attempt at uh, at stardom with the song called "The When the Lady Smiles." which I think went top 40, but not too much. Um, anyway, I don't think anybody's kind of heard from Golden Earring after that, but that is definitely, that always is in my top five, always. Yeah, that's a good choice. I completely forgot about that until you brought it up now. So that, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good obscure one. Uh, all right, Jamie, let's hear what you got. It's time to impress Milo with mine, and it's We're Not Gonna Take It by Twisted Sister. I wow. love that video. Wow. It's, it's directed by Marty Kalner. Correct. And it's very slapsticky. It's like, and it's not a surprise that it's comedic because Marty Kalner did a lot of like comedy recordings for like very famous comedians. So he's got a lot of comedy background. So this video, it, it starts with this kind of antagonist played by Mark Metcalf, who often played those kind of roles. And he's yelling at his kid, oh, you're not going to do anything with your life. Uh, you suck because you like rock and roll. I used to carry an M16 and you're a loser. And then the kid like <laughs> turns into D. Snyder and he's like, screw you, dude. He like plays the guitar and, and he is the dad goes out the window. And then they're all dressed up like like man dudes singing about how they're not going to take it. And they're just causing hell for this dad guy. And they're just going around. It's all slapsticky and they're dressed up all 80s hair band transvestite whatever i love that i love it dude i especially love how it begins with that guy just the dad was being a being an asshole but he gets his he gets his in the end because we're not going to take it anymore yeah that's that's mine that's my pick <laughs> that's great that's great if you don't mind i know a little bit about that one the mm -hmm. uh the 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 actor that plays the kid is actually Marty Kalner's son, Dax Kalner. Oh. And uh, I actually got to talk to him about shooting that. And he said that, you know, when they were trying to get a kid to do this, he was basically showing those other kids how you were supposed to do it. And finally, his dad was like, well, you just do it. <laughs> and uh, he said that it kind of changed his life in a couple of ways is that, you know, he went to school and stuff and, and, you know, nobody, he, he kind of kept to himself. So he went from going to school and having nobody talk to him because they didn't know him to now having nobody talk to him because he was famous and they oh. didn't want to talk to him. So it's just really weird stuff. But um, it, he did say though, that he and Dee Snyder actually, you know, sort of connected and stayed in touch and he said that D actually acted as somewhat of a mentor for him because D doesn't drink and doesn't do drugs mm. and told him, you know, if you want to accomplish something in your life, you really got to work hard and stay focused and all. And he said it, it made a huge difference uh, in nice. his life. Yeah. D taught him how to really rock. <laughs> yes. 
I want to rock. You want to rock? You got to yeah. work hard, kiddo. You and, go, you know, demon. You, you made a really good point about the cartoony violence of this. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you'll recall, recall when Dee Snyder went to talk to the PMRC uh, on Capitol Hill when they were having the whole, you know, Tipper Gore thing about lyrics and, and bad videos and all this sort of thing. He, you know, he pointed out that the violence, this is not violence, and it's no more violent than a Roadrunner cartoon. Oh so. no, it was totally slapsticky. It was, it was not. It's just cartoonish. Yeah. How about you, Milo? What you got, buddy? For my pick, my first pick, I'm going to go a bit darker than Twisted Sister, and I'm going to go The Cure Lullaby. Ooh. This opens with Robert Smith laying in bed trying to fall asleep, and. It's a lullaby of sorts, depending on how you look at it. And basically, he is singing this little lullaby, and he's watching the clock, and there's spider crawling around, and then his band's playing outside his little marionettes, and then the big room gets slowly covered in cobwe or spider webs, and then he eventually gets eaten by a giant spider. And it's just kind of this really creepy lullaby it was directed by tim pope who you probably i'm sure you recognize who directed tons of stuff stuff for Susie sue and the banshees fat boy slim neil young david bowie and this is their first collaboration that he did with them if i remember correctly or if i've got my research correctly but then he ended up directing pretty much most of their music videos i think he directed like 37 videos of theirs um and it's based upon a reoccurring nightmare Robert Smith had as a child about eating by being eaten by a giant spider <laughs> and, uh, you know, lullabies that his dad, his dad would sing him when he was a kid. And if you think about it, it's kind of true. If you hear a lot of the actual lyrics to a lot of children's lullabies, they're kind of creepy. And so he made a creepy <laughs> song around a lullaby. One thing. Uh, that I read about it was that his look in this actually inspired Brandon Lee's look in the film, The Crow. Oh, yeah. So that's a bit of a little research item I read here. Yeah. I mean, I, I love The Cure anyways. And I would say this is certainly to me a very creepy music video that when it first came out, I'm like, oh, it's so creepy. I love it so much. Cause back then I was like, I'm going to wear black and I'm, I'm all, I'm not quite goth, but I'm pretty darn close. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, Tim Pope. I was uh, fortunate enough to talk to him, and he, he talked about his relationship with The Cure. But uh, he said one of the ones that, strangely enough, outside of The Cure that he gets asked about all the time is the safety dance. Ah, he directed the that, safety dance. Yeah, the it's men the without hats. That's basically, the best. A, yeah, whatever Renaissance fair they decided yeah. to shoot that thing at. It's like, okay. <laughs> so, uh, but he, he they they chose that because of the 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 cadence of the song, you know. Dun, 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 dun. It was like, yo, yeah, that's what it sounds exactly like. Um, but yeah, the the those uh, those videos for the cure, I think what was so smart about it was I think the reason that there's that faction um separation between the cure and the smiths. Because most people are either the Cure or they're the Smiths, and the Smiths' videos are terrible, and they did not get played because they, for whatever reason. But Tim Pope, I think, really got the Cure and got the sort of, uh, it, we're dark, but we're kind of winking at you a little bit. Um, it, it just you know, some some of those are just, just so great. I, I mean, uh, 
why can't I be you is really silly. It's really get hot, hot, hot. It's really good, you know? So yeah, I applaud your, uh, your, your choice of the cure. They really, you know, they carved out their own thing and who would have guessed that they would be like a, a, a an MTV band. They, they were. Yeah. Embraced. They don't seem like they would be, huh? But they totally are. Yeah, you would right. think they'd be very kind of like niche indie stuff, but I, the, I think the, their music videos helped. And like you mm -hmm. were saying, everybody thinks of them as this dark band and dark music, but the videos were quite kind of fun and peppy and very well, different from what you would expect. Their music's kind of dark peppy too, right? They got a lot mm -hmm. of kind of catchy songs. Yeah. It's kind of that dark, it's kind of a dark tone. It's more like a, I don't know, Adam's family dark, not a... Because <laughs> they're kind of catchy too, you know. Oh yeah. yeah, I think the difference between the Cure and the Smiths has a lot to do with Robert Smith not taking himself as seriously as Morrissey takes himself seriously. You know what I mean? It's oh, like I know what you mean. One of them is insufferable, and mm -hmm. one of them is you know, it is yeah, has laugh. fun with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's so, a good uh, that's a good analogy. I like that because I definitely yeah. fall into the cure cure side of the spectrum myself over the Smiths. Okay, well, uh, on to the next one. It's uh, it's fairly difficult for me to 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 choose another one that's uh, not uh, one of your standards, but I decided to go with Pat Benatar's "Love Is a Battlefield." Oh, I love that one. Yeah, which uh, has all kinds of great stuff in it. And uh, it's directed by Bob Giraldi, who I, who's in the in the recent the recent edition of the magazine. And uh, you know, this was their first collaboration. Um, Bob Giraldi was really on a roll. He'd done "Beat It" for Michael Jackson, and uh, I think "Say Say Say" had come out. Um, but I'm, I'm not exactly sure for, if he had done that yet for Paul McCartney. But uh, Pat was moving into a different sort of part of her career. She wasn't wearing the leotards. She wasn't, uh, you know, being quite the sex kitten at this point. Um, she was doing videos like Love's a Battlefield, uh, Shadows of the Night, uh, you know, things like that. And <laughs> the the storyline of it, as we, as we all know, is that Pat Benatar uh, runs away from home. Uh, she looks like she's 30 and her dad looks like she's 40. But her dad finally like, kicked her out. Her dad's yeah. like, Pat, you need to get a job. You're 30 yeah. years old. Get the hell out of my woman. house, Pat Benatar. Go, yeah, go be a streetwalker if you got have to, but go shimmy your way out of here. Damn, girl. That, the, yeah, and the, the actor that plays her, her father, um, Cohen Brothers fans will remember that he was Nathan Arizona. Uh, in, in raising Arizona, he's also the coach in uh, Bull Durham. Um, he had a you know a fairly a great career. But if you leave this house now, you can forget about coming back. You know, and it was one of it was one of the first kind of notable videos where you had the song, but you also had uh, extemporaneous uh, uh, dialogue and things like that happening, which was kind of a different thing. But Did we, he we see Pat. Sorry to What's, interrupt you there, Stephen. No. Did he kick that off? Like, because that's pretty early '80s. Like, was that done much prior to him with the? Yeah, because I know Michael Jackson was a big fan of doing the dialogue bits before the video starts, and others did 
would you yeah, say he yeah. was well, he kind Dr. of pioneered Alden it was a was a commercial director he did things like uh, dr pepper commercials and things like that um but he was a big fan of the narrative storyline and i think he he had a, enough of a of your reputation and he had enough of um he had enough of an ego to try to push the boundaries on what you can and you can't do um he most famously directed um hello for Lionel Richie which has its own sort of mythos to it and uh but getting back to love is a battlefield um you know she <laughs> moves to New York and she's a taxi dancer as they call them um uh, in a club it basically working for a pimp I guess it's the only video where Pat Benatar dances she got but, that shimmy going on that shimmy with all the rest of her Oh yeah, yeah, and it's and it because of the the storyline of it, where you know she stands up for the other girl, and they you know walk out into the into the sun, and they're dancing and all that sort of thing. It became more of a uh, of an anthem for female empowerment. Uh, so, I've always admired artists that try to move out of their own comfort zone, and the song is very good. It was written by Holly Knight, who had written a bunch of songs similar to this in that era um, for Heart and for, uh, she wrote Invincible also for Pat Benatar. She also wrote The Warrior for uh, Scandal. You know, she had that similar kind of themes to these things. So yeah, Pat Benatar's Love is a Battlefield was, would be the other one that I would, I would pick. Um, and it's just a lot of fun to watch too, you know, even though, She's a little old to be running away from home. <laughs> all right, Jamie, what do you got? So this one, we're going all the way to 1999. Um, it's it's from a Brit pop band called Blur, and it's called Coffee and TV. Ooh. I like this one. It's directed by, they called themselves at the time, Hammer and Tongs, which was a British duo named Garth Jennings, um, and Nick Goldsmith, who have since parted ways and but become pretty successful like movie directors now. Even Jennings uh, did did sing. He he wrote and did the whole sing thing. So um, this was kind of a fun video. So it, it starts with a family and they've got a milk carton with one of the band members and the family's kind of bummed out because their their son's missing, brother's missing. Then the, the the milk carton comes to life. He's like, hey, what about me? I'm milk. Check me out. And they're like, uh, we don't care about milk. So he's like, fine, I'm out of here. Fuck <laughs> you guys. And and so he's going on an adventure and he gets like, he hitchhikes on on a motorcycle to, to the city. And he's kind of, he's watching a can get kicked around, which terrifies him. And he's going through all these little adventures. And then he falls in love. He, he falls in love with a, a, a carton of strawberry milk. And he's like, I'm all into this strawberry milk. But then she gets crushed by someone's foot. And he's like terrified. He's like, man. So then he finds the band and he finds the kid who's the band member who's missing. Um, so the band member sees the milk and he goes back home, drinks the milk and like throws it in the garbage. But that's OK, because, you know, the milk goes to heaven at the end and reunites with the chocolate with the no, with the with the vanilla uh, strawberry milk. It's a little adventure, man. I like it. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's just this fun little Brit pop band about the adventures of a milk carton through the city. 
it's goofy, but it's well done and it's won a bunch of awards and it's done by some now pretty famous guys. So, yeah, it, 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 I, I think that that's funny because can you imagine the pitch meeting for this is like, so the song's coffee and tea. Okay. It's going to be all about milk. Yeah. <laughs> coffee and TV, but yeah. Yeah. All of the adventures of milk. Yeah. I had yes. to actually look that up while you were talking uh, to remind myself about it, Jamie. Uh, so that is a fun Check video. it out again. It's an amusing video. And I, I like the whole Britpop thing anyway. I was into oh, it. Yeah. So I, I really like the 90s British bands was like the British revival. But I thought that mo that was particularly amusing. Um, <laughs> I just like yeah. that little milk guy. He goes on adventure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I, I, I totally agree with you when it comes to blur blur had a sense of humor. Oasis has no sense of humor at all. <laughs> yeah. Oasis like, Oh, everything sucks. Yeah. Well, not just that like, we're, we're the best band ever. Yeah. yeah. We're the new Beatles with the new Beatles. No, you're not. Yeah, we're better than you. We're, we're the best band in the world. No, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, like I love, I love their music. I love it. But again, like you know, blur that you you couldn't do that coffee and TV video with with an Oasis song. It just wouldn't wouldn't work. Jamie, your choices are actually surprisingly good. So good for Not you. Not bad, right? Yeah. Uh, so from my last one, I, I I was it's it is hard to narrow these down, but I decided to go with this one just because it was a fun one versus another serious one. It was nominated for the best video of the year, best direction, best concept video, and best special effects at the 1985 MTV and Music Awards. It only won one of those awards, and it was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Don't Come Around Here No More, Yeah, directed by Jeff Stein. So yeah. it is Alice in Wonderland. It follows this little girl who walks up to a person who's not even actually in Tom Petty's band, David Stewart from the Arrhythmics, who's sitting up smoking his uh, shisha and eating mushrooms. He hands a mushroom to Alice, who falls back down and ends up at the Alice in Wonderland dinner with Tom Petty, who plays the Mad Hatter and the rest of the band. It's just kind of this really weird, bizarre dinner scene, just like Alice in Wonderland is. It's kind of funny as well in the sense that... Um, some of the trivia on this is there's a scene where Alice is looking at a baby version of herself that then gets turned into a pig face and then gets turned into her face as a pig. And apparently the pig got away at one point and they had to like chase it around for like 45 minutes trying to catch this pig. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, since we mentioned Tipper Gore, this was one of those songs that was in her like why we need this music video rating thing because at the very end of the video they've got alice who gets turned into a cake and everybody is sitting around eating her and it's not even that graphic of a scene by modern standards but in the mid 80s they're like what? they're eating her and i guess at one point they were actually going to have oh my god <laughs> exactly so they were going to have actually jelly like a yellow or not a, a red jam in it uh, right. to make it, but they decided not to go that route of it. So, uh, yeah, that's that one. Just time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I, 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 I was lucky enough to talk to, to Jeff because he directed that he direct, he had a, a really good run. He directed that he directed Billy, uh, uh, Billy Idol's rebel yell. He directed out of, out of touch for Hall and Oates. Um, and he has great, great stories about shooting the Jackson's torture 
video from the Victory album, which was uh, sort of legendary in the music video world as being one of the most out of control uh, shoots over budget. Or and, and in the end, it was just terrible. They were trying to do Thriller in outer space, basically. And it just wasn't going to work. Michael didn't show up. Jermaine didn't show up. They had to fly in a Madame Tussauds wax figure of Michael to take his place in the video. Oh, I need to watch that one again. I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. That, watch. But, yeah. At the end, there's a picture of all of them, and you can see Michael's hand just like up in the air like this. It's obviously a mannequin because no arm like goes like this the way it's, it's, oh, it's just so silly. It's fantastic. Well, folks, we're getting close to time running out on us here. And so that is our picks for best music videos from the 80s or 90s. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Of course, you can always reach us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or our website, the80sand90s.com. Stephen, if they want to track you down, where would they find you or if they'd like to have a read of the magazine? Oh, well, you can go to musicvideotimemachine.com and be able to read the ma magazine for free um, and keep up with our events, etc. Also on Instagram at musicvideotimemachine and on Twitter at mvtimemachine. And uh, over on MySpace, I'm just kidding, it's, there's no MySpace. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to say, it, hit me up on Friendster, y'all. Yeah, let's, let's hit the chat rooms. Let's, let's revive <laughs> it. Hit let's me up on it. Yahoo Chat. <laughs> yeah. Check me out on geocities.com. <laughs> well, Stephen, uh, so informative to have you here. And yeah, I would recommend people check out the magazine. Uh, like I said, I've read through it. And oh, with that audience, we will say we are out of here. Like Luis Wish Foley, who starred in that Tom video, Tom Petty video that I just mentioned. She was briefly famous and then went off to obscurity in the deserts of the American Southwest, just like us. 